Hi guys and welcome back to Run on Thought Podcast. Today I have our second guest on the pod, one of my teammates from UD and one of my dearest friends, Susanna Weir. I'm going to give a quick little intro on Susanna before she gets into everything she's going to talk about. But I just want to say, first off, Susanna is an amazing human being, one of my best friends, and one of the best runners I've ever encountered. I still remember when I first met her, and she was our 3K steeple record holder and running like 80 miles a week with what we thought was a torn meniscus, but we later found out it wasn't. But I was like, damn, this girl is crazy. (laughs) But later on, we became the best of friends, which is kind of funny looking back on that. Um, But anyways, Susanna is currently the indoor and outdoor 5k record holder at Delaware with a PR of 1627. What the fuck? And a 10k and the 10k record holder with a time of 3424, which I have no idea what that means. Um, But she graduated from Delaware with a master's in communications and now lives in Indianapolis working for the one and only NCAA. (laughs) And she is doing their postgraduate internship program working as the editorial development intern in the communications department, which she was highly motivated to pursue after her experience as a division one runner. So that's our little intro, but I'm going to explain to the audience what you're going to hear from us today in this episode. Today, we are planning to talk about a wide variety of things, and I'm so excited for you all to hear from Susanna because she has taught me so many things. She's two years older than me, and I just have learned so much from her, so I'm excited for her wisdom to be on my pod. But we're going to talk about the transition to college and strains of social media, on the student athlete, as well as the struggles within the toxic running culture and the massive mindset shift that Susanna made in her fifth year that caused her to excel um, in her last year of running. And then lastly, how all of this motivated her to write her master's thesis on the female running culture and pursue a career in this space. So after that long intro, hi, Susanna. Hi. (laughs) um can you quickly sum up your running story like where you're from how you started running and kind of what is your why with running yeah so I mean first of all thanks so much for for having me I'm so excited just to, to talk about all these topics and um I know we've had so many conversations about this just between you and I so really I know and we're always to- like <laughs> I feel like every time we have conversations, we're like, why wasn't this recorded? (laughs) I know. (laughs) So now it is. Um, But to answer your question, uh, so I'm from New York, which New York is like a huge running state. And especially in high school, it's like a big runner's hub. Um, But I have a very unique story with how I started running. Not unique. I shouldn't say unique because I feel like a lot of people have this story where they started running to stay in soccer. I feel like that's how you started running. Well, me, yeah, me and you both have that story, but I feel like it's pretty unique. Yeah, we're we're special. Let's just let's just call ourselves special. Yeah, yeah. So, (laughs) um, but I will say, and I'll try to keep this story brief. But I actually, a lot of people, I used to tell people that I started running in high school, which is mostly true. But I actually started running cross country. Um, when I was like probably seven years old um, and I ran like a cross a cross country season. Um, and that's a funny story kind of about how I realized that running was not going to be a good sport for me because I, <laughs> I feel I like I didn't even know that. Did you not? Should I, should I share the story really quick? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I feel like I don't, I feel like I didn't even know this. Yeah. I mean, so I did like mostly every single sport imaginable growing up like my parents just got us involved in everything which I loved but um I started running cross country at a time when like the race was probably less than a mile like it was like little kid cross country it was like probably can't even consider it cross country and um it was when I was young enough that like they put like girls and boys in the same race like they didn't even split us up because we were just that young so it was like a really cold day for our championship race and like 
I just really did not want to be there. I did not want to run. But like my parents and I per usual. This. Yeah. I'm just parents, kidding. <laughs> so true. My parents um were very much like, no, you committed to something, like you're showing up. Like you're not gonna let people down. Like you're showing up. You're gonna run the race. So I like distinctly remember my mom like on the starting line with me, like rubbing my hands together in gloves because it was like so cold. Um and I started running the race and like it was again probably less than a mile and I was like running really well like I was pretty good and um I think I was like leading the race for the girls there were definitely a bunch of boys ahead of me but and then we get about three quarters of the way through the race and there's I say a hill I wouldn't even call it a hill it was like an incline you know (laughs) and um I get to this hill and I'm like running up it and I'm so cold and I'm running past my mom and as I'm like running past my mom and she's cheering for me like a girl passes me and that was just like obviously the most devastating thing in the world so I dropped out of the race and I just like ran into my mom's arms and cried wait oh my god wait I did not know this yeah yeah so um that was the last cross-country race I ran as a child uh because my mom was a like, traumatizing event yeah, well and my mom was like clearly you're way too hard on yourself for this sport like you didn't finish the race because like you weren't gonna win like that's ridiculous so that's how I got my start in cross-country and I didn't run cross-country again until college um but to, sorry Crazy. for that little for that little sidetrack, but basically no, I love that. Yeah, it, th- I think that gives like good context into my mindset. It really um, does. I was gonna yeah. say I feel like it actually translates really well into the things we're gonna talk about because like I don't know, kind of was also how you were in college at some so, point. So, so true. So, so true. So yeah. we could get into that, but yeah. So yeah. tell us your why. Yeah, so I think, like, when I started out running, my why was just, like, very literal. It was, like, I'm staying in shape for soccer, and and that's why I'm doing it. And it was Mm. – soccer was my focus. Like, that was what I loved to do. So it was a very much just, like, this is how I stay physically fit in the soccer Um, Mm offseason. And then I think, like, for the first half of my college career when I wasn't playing soccer anymore – my why was just very externally motivated. It was like Mm. very much just like about results. And um, I think I tied a lot of my self-worth to how I was doing and running because I was just, I was an athlete and, and that was a huge part of my identity. And um, it never really was for those first few years of college, I would say it never really was about just like loving the sport um Mm. and I also think I fell in love like I did love running but I think I fell in love with it because it was a grind and like I'm like such an all or nothing like I like to grind I like to like do hard things like even now when people like when I tell people like oh I was a 10k runner like I ran 80 miles a week and people are like oh my gosh that's like amazing like how did you do that like I still love that I'm like yeah I love the grind like that's I fell yeah grind of running yeah it's like a such a tough sport that that's I think was and it's such a sense of accomplishment I don't know like it just like it just like nothing can make me feel as proud as I would feel after I finished like a grueling track workout like I just still haven't found the thing that like which is like a separate thing from like self-worth I think like I don't know you can like genuinely just like love the thrill of that like and I think that's obviously why we're runners and yeah torture ourselves yeah it's like because people don't understand like why you do that to yourself but it's like there's sometimes no better feeling not in the moment but afterwards there's no better feeling than knowing like yeah you put it all out there like you and it's just like a true test of athleticism in my opinion it's just like Mm. you are giving everything you have with like every part of your body so um yeah so I guess I would say just my why started out being much more externally motivated and then I'm sure I'll get into later kind of how that that shifted in the, the later parts of my career. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like our next question kind of will lead into how your mindset changed. But I really want you to tell everybody about the massive mindset shift that you made in your fifth year of running. Because just for a little bit of backstory, like Susanna has always been one of our best runners, like always, whether she was whatever the mental state was but she absolutely like 
excelled her fifth year like she just like took off and like it was like she figured out the mental game and like we've talked about like when you're lining up to race like all the physical work is done but it really comes down to where you're what mental battle you're able to um like get yourself through in the race and so I want you to tell us about how you made that shift um and also how that kind of has like changed your why in running and then how it changed your perspective on like the way you live your life now. But you could start with how you even did that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the, the, to make this story make sense, I have to kind of lay the foundation. So like I mentioned already, I mean, I didn't run cross country in high school at all. I was a soccer player. Um, and so when I came to college, honestly, the original plan was that I was going to train through um, cross country. And I wasn't even really, I was going to run a few races, but it was going to be for training purposes. And I mean, all the way through high school, I was an 800 mile, maybe sometimes 3k runner. Um, But for the most part, I was like 800, 1500. So cross country was just going to be a season I trained through. So Um, what ended up happening was like the the first cross country race I ran, I ended up like doing pretty well. Second one I ran, I did even better. And then I like, unfortunately, there you go, (laughs) had to keep going. So, um, but I feel like, and, and honestly, I don't know that I ever moved past this. Um, I feel like every time, because I didn't run cross country in high school, every time I got on the line, in college to run a cross country race, like I felt like a fraud. Like I felt like I was like, I don't like, I don't belong next to these people who have like imposter syndrome. I, yeah. Like majorly imposter syndrome. I was like, everybody knows, like everybody knows I'm a fake. Like I, I don't belong on a cross country course. Like I, and honestly, like going into college, I was excited about cross country. Cause again, it was like that grind. Like it was a little bit, I knew it was like a little bit mentally tougher at points than, than track could be. And I was like excited for that, but it ended up being like debilitating instead of, of being exciting. And, um, I think at first it was, it was easy because there were no expectations for me since I hadn't run cross country. It was kind of like anything I did would have been fine. If if it had gone terribly, we would have known I would have, would, would have just focused on track if it went well, like, cool awesome like that's a pleasant yeah. surprise but the naiveness ran... of like the naive sorry to interrupt but the naiveness oh. of like when you first start cross country because I was in the same shoes as you like I my first season of cross country ever was in college which is so crazy and like at first like the naiveness is like you can kind of excel within that because there's no expectations, nothing. You don't put any pressure on yourself. But as soon as you start performing, standards start becoming set, expectations of you start, you know, coming up from yourself and from coaches. And it's just, and then that just like, I don't know, I feel like that kind of got to both of us mentally. Um, So yeah. Yeah, I think... Yeah, it was like our second, my second cross country race ever. So our first cross country race, it was only like the top girls on the team went to a different meet and I went to this other more local meet and I did well. I was like our third girl at that, at that race, but it was like the lower half of the team. So, um, and then at our next race, it was our home meet. So everybody raced, everybody on the team raced and I was our third girl again with everybody. And so then was when the expectations like started to form because I was like, well, and then I started doing really well in workouts. I started being like in our top group in workouts, like, and I came in without any expectations and like very quickly within like a month or two, there were expectations. And I think most of those I was putting on myself, um, Mm, but self-inflicted. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I also just coming out of high school again, had such a, strong like athletic identity where I was just I was an athlete first and foremost like and I think I struggled with the transition to college in general maybe not even so much having to do with running but just being away from home and honestly like not having soccer which had been the only thing I had known for like the fall sports season since I was four years old like soccer was was everything to me so 
not having that kind of like threw me off. Um, and so my transition to college just was tough. And then, you know, along with feeling like I was in a sport that I didn't belong in and, and wasn't really loving. Um, so that along with just having that really strong athletic identity was kind of like a recipe for disaster because if I ran well, I was like on top of the world. And if I ran poorly, it was like, what am I doing here? Like, yeah, it was like, like such a low point. Yeah. Like you were questioning more than just like the performance. You were questioning your entire self and like yep. your entire identity and your entire self-worth. And that is when it starts to get super dangerous. Yeah. And it, and it did like, it did get super, cause I also, again, with just struggling with adjusting to college, I felt like I didn't have like friends. I felt like I didn't really have like anything going on outside of running. So mm. in my mind, it was like, I'm putting all of my stock into this. So like every time I got on the line, it was like my entire self-worth my entire being was like on that line with me yeah and when you're I love like I love that phrase well I don't love that phrase for us like <laughs> we don't want that for that's exactly for, what we want <laughs> no we're trying to advocate for that not to be the case but I love yeah. the way you put it but like it's just crazy like when you put all of your eggs into like one basket it just like it makes the pressure like exponential because like it it's like the only thing that you're putting your your eggs like you're putting all your eggs into that one basket so you're expecting so much out of it and you're like literally relying on it for like yep. you need success and when you need that success it often doesn't come the way oh, you yeah. want it to come because oh, yeah. <laughs> it just yeah so with that like how did you make your mindset shift and start like excelling? Yeah, I think honestly, and it was like, it got to the point in those first few years that I, I was so deep in this like warped mindset that I didn't understand how people who like didn't do sports, like got validation or like worth, like I didn't get it. I was like, what do they do? Like, how do you get, cause it was, it's like an addiction. Like it's like, yeah. When it's going well, it's like you ride that high and you have that worth. And then, so I think honestly, like the thing that changed everything for me was COVID because, and I had, I think a very unique experience compared to a lot of other athletes, because I think when COVID shut everything down, a lot of athletes were crushed and like, didn't really know what to do and didn't know like again, how to like get validation or even just like how to live their lives without their sport. COVID came at a time where I was on the verge of, of quitting running in all honesty. Mm. I was, I was like one step away and I had yeah. had a conversation with my coach about a month, about a week or so before everything shut down. Honestly, it might've been a few days before where I just said like, I don't think I'm going to make it through the spring season. And I like will always remember this. He literally like looked at me and he goes, I don't think you're going to have to. I think everything's about to shut down. So like uh, it was just like the timing for me, like while COVID was a horrible thing and a horrible time and like, yeah, definitely can't, can't like stress that enough. And, but for me, it came at a time that I think like I desperately needed a break and I needed yeah a mindset shift and I needed like, like a reset. Right, yeah right. yeah so, and I feel like for for some people like that allowed us to take a step back um from like the pressure of getting on the line and actually try to just like become back in touch with like the joy of running and like why we started this sport in the first place yeah yeah I think it just like it forced me to realize that there was more to me and more to my life than the results I because I didn't get results for a year I had no like there was no yeah. way I could so you had to find something else like right. you had could, to find yeah yeah I could go for runs and I could do workouts and I could like you know try to get validation that way but that stuff had never given me validation in the past anyway because the fact of the matter was for my first two and a half years of my college running career like I was working out so well, 
my workouts were I was always in the top group I was Mm -hmm. always doing so well and then race day hit and that pressure got to me and I blew it pretty much every time and I never I was never living up to my potential so like I was still getting like and the, the validation from workouts wasn't enough for me because it was like no one sees me doing this you know like I'm working so hard at practice and then I get to the race and it's like, what was it all for? You know? So like, I think just during COVID, like having to really like figure out other ways to like live, just live life and like get by feeling like mentally well, really like just kind of switched my mindset to the point that like when the seasons kept getting canceled, like every time it was like, I took a deep breath of relief because I was worried about going back to just like, the whole kind of mindset that I had had before where I depended so much on those results. Like I didn't even want to go back into that world. So like after COVID, like I, I was like during COVID, I was thinking like if stuff starts back up again, like I'm not even sure that I want to go back into it because right now I've reached such a, such a point where like, I feel okay without that external motivation. That was so like, that pressure was so debilitating before I was like, now I figured it out. Why would I put myself back in that environment again? Yeah. Um, so then how did you put yourself back in that environment without the tie to your yeah. identity? Yeah. So I think a lot of it was just honestly, like, I, I, I've i always been somebody that's very motivated by deadlines. And to me, the end of my running career was a deadline. And I was mm. like, I know that I have so much potential and I have heard that from my coaches and I've heard that from people and I've seen it in the workouts I'm doing and the only one that's beating me right now is myself and my mind and like Mm, when you realize that that you are the only I think that realization that like you are the only thing that's holding you back Mm -hmm. is like super powerful and like getting in touch with that and realizing that you are, like, the barrier to so much potential is huge. Yeah, and I knew it all along, and, like, I would, I would like, punish myself in whatever way I felt like I needed to, like, after races, because I knew it was me the whole time, like, um, and, and what was so horrible about it was that I was just putting in, like, such hard work, and, like, I knew it the whole time that I, and I went into, like, before I had even run the race, like, I had already lost, because in my mind, I'd already told myself, like, there's no way you're living up to what you've done in practice, because you never have before, so why would you now? Yeah, so So how did you change, like, that self-talk, like, when you went into the races? I honestly feel like it was, like, when I came back from COVID, like, when I stepped on the line, it was no longer that my entire being was on the line with me. It was, I'm here to Mm. run the race, I put in the work. There's not, if I don't do well, the world won't end. The sun will come up tomorrow. I'll still have like worth as a human being. It's not going to like, this doesn't determine like my, my family's still going to love me. Like it's not, you know, it was, it just was a complete mindset shift where I realized like, and, and I also feel like I had to really work very, very hard to feel like I belonged especially on the cross country course. Like that was a lot of just me battling with me about like realizing like I'm here because I belong here and it's not because I'm here by accident. Nobody put me here. Like I, Mm -hmm. I got myself here and also like just full transparency. It was a lot of talking to the sports psychologist about just strategies and things that I could do. Um, And I started, I became like a very big visualizer Um, I was about to bring that up because, okay, I want to circle back to like you using like our resources, like our psychologist, because I want to talk about resources as a student athlete. But I was about to bring up the visualization because I feel like that I remember you like sharing that with me and it was so powerful. Like I was so inspired by that because like I remember you saying like you literally visualizing exactly how you wanted the race to go. And, like, it allowed you to have, like, this sense of fun because, like, visualization is so powerful. And when you see yourself actually playing out what you visualized, like, it's fucking fun. Like, I feel like it's, like, empowering. And, like, so, like, can you quickly talk about, like, 
your visualization strategy and then we can talk about the resources thing yeah so I honestly like going into this whole visualization thing like I kind of thought it was bs I'm like visualizing yeah I'm gonna imagine something and then it's gonna happen like come on like Like, okay please yeah yeah no and I feel like a lot of people might like write it off so like yeah but what I did and like honestly this might be like kind of extreme for some people but this is what I had to do I so when I started like that first the first few races I had back from COVID did not go well at all and I think it was because I was like uh, I don't know like I just I wasn't invested in running because again I had found myself outside of running so I was like I don't I don't need this like but I think I took it to too far to the extreme where I was like just not engaged and not like putting my full effort in and like I was again nervous about falling back into that mindset so my first two races were terrible and before my third race like I had to make a decision basically with myself where I was like you're either gonna like give this everything you've got you've been training this whole time during COVID that must mean that you're still holding on to some piece of this you must still want to be here for some reason um so I was like I either have to fully commit or I have to walk away because I can't be in this limbo between the two. Um, and I had that, those conversations with my, with my coach too, where we were, we had some tough conversations about whether or not it made sense for me as a person to continue my career. Um, obviously I ended up continuing, but that third race was going to be a major test for me in terms of, of where my, my head was at. And it was a steeplechase race. Um, it was at UVA and I was going into the race with my with a seed time that was from like two years prior because I, I the steeple that I had run the one steeple that I had run so far that season was absolutely terrible it was awful um, so I knew that I was going to be in a heat with people that were running way faster than me at the time because I was nowhere near my old PR and I basically just had to be like I need to visualize like staying in the race and I need to visualize like being with these people in the race and what I did was I had a time that I knew I wanted to hit and no matter how ridiculous it sounded based on the time that I had run in the previous race I was like I know that this is in me and it's going to be up to my mindset about whether or not it happens so I wrote down all the splits of everything I would need to see on the clock when I was running by the starting line And I visualized just getting to that last lap, getting to the bell lap, having the bell being rung. And I visualized coming down that stretch and seeing the time on the clock be what I wanted it to be. And knowing like, now's the easy part of the race. Now is when you just kick and you finish and like, you give it all you've got. Like I visualized getting getting, chills. (laughs) I just visualized getting to that point of the race because that to me was like the ultimate sense of relief, like getting to that last lap because anybody can finish the last lap of the race, you know, like that's mm-hmm. all. And I knew for me, that was the easiest part of the race was just, if I was where I needed to be with one yeah. lap to go, I was good. So that's like, my you know, you can like, you know, you can get that one lap out of yourself. Yeah. Like, you know, you're not going to like drop out at that point. So like, right, right. you can just kind of like, you're in so much pain, but like there's some, some sigh of relief that like, all right, I'm going to cross this line. Like I'm going to cross this finish line. So, and it's not only relief, like it's excitement. Like I, when I visualize like getting, getting to the, to one lap to go and like seeing the time be where I wanted it to be. Like to me, that gave me like excitement because I'm like, Oh, I'm doing this, you know? So I, I I didn't visualize cross, like I never visualized crossing the finish line. I always visualized getting to that point where I knew I was going to do what I wanted to do and like still having to do a little bit of work to get there, but like feeling like that rush of knowing like I'm going to accomplish what I want to accomplish. Um, and sure enough, I go into the race and yeah, I think like the, the previous steeple I had run that season, I had run like an 1108 and my PR had been like 1040 at the time. So it was like bad race um and I go into the UVA meet with that 10 40 whatever seed time and I knew the time on the clock that I wanted to see with one lap to go and I got to one lap to go and it was the exact time that I wanted to see down to the second so crazy and 
and I ran and I PR'd and it was like I'll never forget my coach was like mind blown (laughs) like he was (laughs) like like, who was that person that just did that because because we both had realized going into the race that that I was like kind of like it was again like the test of like whether or not this was something that I could continue to do and so after that race I just remember feeling like I just had reignited my 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 passion for for running and and like the visualization thing just yeah I can't I can't it's something that you really don't understand the power of until you like see it do good things for you until you execute and you're just like holy shit like I did that it's like it's like the literal proof that like you can do you can get yourself to do what you didn't think you could do yeah. But you have to believe that you can do it before you do it. Like, yeah. you can't, like, you can't believe that you did it after you did it. Like, right. you have to fully 100% commit to believing before you actually do it. And yeah. I think that's, like, so powerful. Yeah. And also, like, or, going yeah. down, sorry, going down to that race, just got to shout out my my other girl, Jess, who was the first guest on the podcast because... Ah! going going down to that so Jess and I rode down with our coach together it was only the two of us that were going to this meet um and we were in the car and like she wanted to break the school record in the 10k I wanted to like I already had the steeple record but I wanted to break it and we both just like we're talking to each other the whole time like there's no option like there's no option for us to fail we know that we can we know physically that we can do this so like I'm just not even we're just not even because I feel like with runners a lot of time you give yourself an out before you even get on the line you're like oh Mm -hmm. I'm sick like I'm not feeling well or like oh the weather's not perfect or like oh I'm like sore like we haven't tapered yet like a lot of time you give yourself the excuse before you even get there and so we were like no we're gonna hold ourselves accountable there's no option there's no excuse and like we're just gonna put it all out there and if it doesn't happen at least we know we we try to at least you know harder. you exactly at least you know that you put it all out there and, and we like, both did we both it happened for both of us it was a great day we both did what we wanted insane. to do like and so yeah it was just that's one of my favorite running like that's one of my favorite memories from from my running career for sure yeah that's so crazy but I do want to touch on the importance of utilizing your resources as a student athlete quickly Um, this was actually asked on my poll of like question people like viewer uh questions and like listener questions like the importance of utilizing your resources and I feel like both of us learned this from two different aspects like I like heavily utilized like the trainers as like a resource like I I had such a good relationship with my trainers and I feel like sometimes it's like a lot of people, a lot of athletes want to stay out of the trainers, obviously, because that kind of means you're injured. But also, like, everybody is your support system in college athletics. Like, even if you're just going into the training room for maintenance, like, make a relationship with everybody who is on your team, like, everybody who is there to support you. Um, I just think it's, like, so powerful. Like, the mental and emotional support that I have received from, like, my trainers um, is, like, I I wouldn't have made it through. Like, I wouldn't have not have made it through my college career without them. Um, So I just, like, really want to shed light on using your resources as a student athlete. And you have the perspective of utilizing our psychologist, which I personally didn't. Um, so I just want to hear your, like, view on all of that for people who may be, like, shying away from all the resources that are at their fingertips. Yeah, so I wish the story didn't go this way, but I was actually kind of pushed, (laughs) delicate, not delicate, I was delicately forced. (laughs) I think you're a good person to talk on this because I know you personally and can say I know that you you don't, you didn't like using your resources. You didn't like going to the trainers. You didn't like utilizing like our psychologist and everything. And I know you were like given the push to do it. And like it, how did it help you? Like, how would you recommend it to other people? 
Yeah. So, yeah, I think as athletes, um, no one likes to admit that they need help. And I was very, very much that way. And not only did I not want to admit that I needed help, but like I was in a place where I was like, oh, I don't want to take up anybody's time by like having them like talk to me, even though that's their literal job that they get paid for. So um, I did get kind of pushed, um, not kind of, I did get pushed to go. And honestly, like, I think it's all about fit. Um, the sports psychologist that I first saw at Delaware was not a good fit for me. And it made me kind of not want to go back. Um, and I, I don't think that has anything to do with like the psychologist or me. I think it's just like all about like finding the right person to talk to. And so that can, that can be tricky. Yeah. And like, it doesn't like, if you just find anybody on like the staff that you connect with, it could be your coach. It could be your trainer it could be the psychologist like you know what I mean like I think it's important to find like the fit of who you feel like you can be most supported by yeah and I mean my coach was like definitely definitely like my therapist for a little while like (laughs) he was yeah he was amazing but he eventually was like I'm not a professional like I think you know it would be helpful for you to like go see a professional so um But, like, honestly, like, the fact that that's a free resource for student-athletes and, like, it's – you have it at your fingertips and, like, even, like, the general student population when they want to go to the counseling center usually has to wait, like, a decent amount of time. Like, you have to wait a little bit for the sports psychologist, but, like, if you are wanting to go, they'll make it happen. So Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely something – and, again, the first person I saw wasn't a good fit. I was hesitant to go back. Eventually, I almost, like, again, it was, like, that deadline of, like, my career is ending. Like, why wouldn't I put myself in the best possible situation to do well while I still can? Like, I honestly was so motivated to go to the sports psychologist because I didn't want to look back and regret, like, not doing everything I could to be successful. Yeah. And so, like, for me, that's really what it was, was I realized that I needed a mindset shift maybe not even a shift just I needed some help on strategies and things that I could do to kind of like capitalize on on just my career and so for me it was a lot of like this is something that is free to me it's access it's accessible it's easy why wouldn't I take advantage of this even like yeah I recommend it to even people that don't feel like they're like like I went when I was at the lowest of the lows and like I wish I had gone way before that because I think there's benefit to it even when you are doing well like why wouldn't you want to do even better you know so um and I yeah I was very famous for (laughs) for always trying to stay out of the training room like I definitely gained a reputation for that but (laughs) um but I that too it's just like again why wouldn't you use those resources when you have them because now not being an athlete and realizing like looking back and realizing like everything that you did have such a privilege yeah it's a major privilege especially being at like you know I every school is different and and every division is different but like the resources you have at a division one school are outrageous and like they're there for a reason so I'm like a huge advocate for it I think it really had a huge impact on my career especially in my fifth year and like In my fifth year, I was, like, at a place – I mean, I really utilized it the most, like, um, the year before my fifth year, like, coming back from COVID. And then I kind of, like, fell off off going again because I felt like I was in a good place. But, like, I wish I had even going. Yeah, and I think it's even important to go – to continue to still go when you're in a good place. But, you know, it's – Yeah, that makes sense. So the next thing that I want to get into is just like the toxic running culture, which I know we are both extremely passionate about, just like within our own personal struggles and how we've become passionate about sharing kind of the things that we did wrong and how we want to change the toxic running culture. Um, But first, like I want to point out just like how amazing of an example Susanna was on our team in terms of this stuff like 
I was I always admired you so much because I struggled a lot with like food and I've shared a lot of that on this podcast and I just feel like you were always the person that I looked up to who would just like go to the dining hall eat whatever the hell you wanted like get like five plates and like you were just such a good example and so I know like you definitely struggled personally with some things like internally but externally you were an amazing example on our team and I just wish that like everybody could be this way on teams so like I want to talk about all these aspects of the toxic running culture but also like why do you think it's so important to be that person on the team like whether you were you know felt that way internally or not like to me looking up to you like you were so why do you just like think in general it's so important that people should like initiate take the initiative on being that person on their team yeah I think I love this question because I feel like I'm so grateful that like you feel like I was like a good role model because I feel like you came on the team like after I had moved on from a lot of true the, like a lot of the traps that I had fallen into with the true 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 culture. so like I think that is like that just emphasizes like how important it is to like just use your experience and like the wisdom that you've gained to help other people because like mm. I went through like all of that like I yeah I maybe worse than like maybe worse than some other people like I I the one the one thing that always stands out to me because this just relates to like you mentioned like food diet I and again I think it was always a little bit more uh internal mental stuff for me than like the you know I struggle I struggled I struggled with food I think we all do at, in some capacity um with running and we can get into that but like body image and stuff yeah yeah like for me I the biggest thing I struggled with with that was during the first few years of my college career again when I was so heavily tied to just my identity as an athlete and tying myself worth so much to it it was like if I didn't run a good race I would not eat a post-race meal because I was like, why would I? I didn't earn this. Like, everybody would be enjoying their Chipotle. And I'm like, why would I, like, treat myself to Chipotle? Like, I didn't run well. Like, yeah. and so. What is your um, view on that now? Like, what are you, looking back on that, like, what do you think of that, that version I, of yourself? <laughs> oh, I just feel bad for her, honestly. Like, I feel sorry for young me. Because I just think, mm. like, it's just so sad that that, like, eating is something like you just need for like life like you need to food to survive obviously and especially after and it's never ever should be something that you earn right ever and so I think like I I struggled with that definitely I struggled with you know the typical um you know diet food calorie sweets all those things I definitely struggle with that. I think I struggle with that in high school. Um, but again, like running wasn't everything for me in high school because I had soccer. So I still had an out that didn't let it become all consuming. But like, mm. I think about this all the time. Just like, I am so grateful for my body because to be honest, the way I treated my body the first, the first years of my running career, I should not have had the career that I had and I should not have stayed healthy the whole time. And I should not mm -hmm. have like, and like, so I'm thankful all the time that like somehow my body bailed me out because yeah, the, the way, like I fell into all those things. Like I, it's almost like an anomaly, like literally how, yeah. Was, sometimes well, I think we've talked about how we literally think it's because you, you drank a glass of milk like every day of your life. I stand up by and, it. <laughs> and up until like literally like your whole entire career. Yeah. And I don't know. I didn't like milk as a kid and I think it made my bones weak. Yeah. I, I, so my sophomore year, my coach would like, there were a few times where he was like, I just don't understand how you're not injured because not only was I not fueling properly, 
I would like skip lunch before practice because I thought it would like make me faster to not be carrying around as much weight at practice, which makes no sense. Like when I no started sense. Eat, when I started eating before workouts, it was like my whole life changed. Magic. But, yeah, yeah, wait, I do want you to share how like you started eating before or even early morning workouts and how that mm-hmm. changed your how that changed your game. Like I feel like you realized like a huge shift when you started doing that, like fasted workouts versus eating before. Um, Like you, you were like living experience, like that you saw yourself like get so much better just from eating before practice. So we should talk about that because it's so important. Yeah. So I definitely, like I said, all runners, I feel like we struggle with like body image and just thinking like, the thinner we are, the faster we'll be because that's what's, that's what you're told pretty much. Like just from comparing yourself to other people on your team or like seeing people on social media, like everybody's got that ideal runner's body. And so you feel like you need to have that. And I definitely like didn't make the time to eat like before afternoon practice Um, And before races in the morning, I'd be so anxious for the race that I just could barely get any food down. And that wasn't even like a, I want to run fast. That was like a, I just like can't stomach anything. Mm. Um, And then whenever we had early morning workouts, like I would never like make the effort to like get up early and get food in or even like just get like a granola bar in on the way to practice. I just like didn't see the value in it. And it sounds so stupid, but like I, it was just one conversation that I had with my coach where he was like, food is literally like the energy that, that gets you through the workout. Like that when you're, you're, if you don't put something in your body before you go and do that workout, like it's like you're running on empty, right? You're, you're pulling, you're actually like pulling from like your reserve. Like you're like, you're pulling, you're pulling from something that's not there. Like you don't have that energy because you didn't give it to yourself beforehand. So like for some reason that just like made like a switch and went I off in my when head. You start, when you start equating food with energy, like I honestly think that was like something that was like healing for me was literally like equating the two, food yeah. and energy. They're like syn- synonyms, like they're the yep. same thing. And if you want to go into your workout energized, you need to eat, like you need to fuel your body before, after, like even the fueling after, like immediately starts translating into the next day. Or if you have a lift after, like everything, it all, it all matters. Yeah. Yeah. And so once I started actually like taking that to heart and making like a conscious effort to do it, I just, again, I think that was like a large reason why I started doing really well in my fifth year too. Cause I finally took like fueling seriously and realized like I'm putting myself at a disadvantage by not doing what I'm told to do with this. And so, mm-hmm. um, and I also think like at, by the time I was in my fifth year, I was in my second year of grad school. I feel like I had just like had life experience. Like I feel like I was like learning who I was as a person more. And I think like that's again, a huge reason why I maybe seemed like a good role model at that time, because I had just found so much meaning outside of running that I couldn't let myself get wrapped up in those things anymore. And it was still really hard. Like I still definitely struggled with just thinking too much about certain foods. I had my foods that still scared me. I had like things that Mm -hmm. I still wouldn't eat or would feel bad about eating. But like, I also think it's so much about who you surround yourself with. Like, shout out to my roommate because, like, she was just so, like, I'm eating what I want to eat. I, I ran 15 miles today. Why wouldn't I eat what I want to eat? And, like, yeah, and she was amazing. In, she was, yeah, like, she one was, of the best on our team. Right, and so, like, just it's so much about who you surround yourself with because I had a very opposite experience living with other people who were struggling a little bit more, and it gets to you, and, like, you start – It and, really like, does. Time, Anytime I loved all my teammates and like, I'll just say that up front, but like anytime we'd go away for a meet and I would be around people who I could tell were just like, struggling, it's so triggering. It, it is because if you've struggled with that in the past, like you will start to fall back into those habits. Or even if you don't start to fall back into those habits, you'll start to wonder like, should I, especially if they're, run- if they're running faster than you, like that's when it really gets to you. So like, 
how do you recommend like staying strong throughout like those moments when like you're maybe influenced by other teammates but also just like in general like the pressures in the running culture they're everywhere like we there's still so much work to do like you are surrounded by this environment like on social media and on teams like like it's just it's always present to some capacity so like how do you recommend like staying strong and like staying like true to like doing things the right way and like actually realizing that like that does make the better athlete it it really does like so what's your advice on that honestly the biggest thing I can say is like give that healthy version of you a chance like I feel like so much of the time we think that we have to live up to these like super strict standards yeah but like how do you know you've never tried to be the healthy version so how do you know that the healthy version doesn't work because I love that yeah because I've never heard somebody put it like that like give the healthy version a chance yeah because when I gave the healthy version a chance I ran way better like and so it was almost like shocking to me and like that was like my full circle moment with running was like when I gave that healthy version of me a chance and it paid off and I ran so much better and not only did I run better, but I was happier and like my life was just better. Like, so give that healthy version of you a chance. That's like my first piece of advice. My next piece of advice is like, just find thing like find people and things outside of running. That was a huge thing for me because there are times when the running culture gets heavy and it's overwhelming and it's all consuming and like, you have to have something like for me, honestly, like when I went to grad school and I made friends that were, had no, no knowledge of running whatsoever. It was such a like breath of fresh air to spend time with people that like just didn't even understand it because it gave me that outlet to like, I can be another version of me here and not get so wrapped up in that culture because when you're in that culture, like, you don't even realize how ingrained in it you are. You don't. Like, you really you don't. You so wrapped up, like, so easily. And so, like, having something outside of that to kind of be able to get that distance and, like, look at the culture from afar, even though I was still in it, it changed It helps you life. have an outside perspective of it. And I feel like it just helps you to, like, take everything light, lighter. Like, yeah. you know, like, going out to eat and getting whatever the fuck you want, like, it's probably way easier to do with friends outside of like, you know, but I do think like, it's so important to also try to like, I want to leave people listening to this episode, feeling encouraged to be that person on their team that is the good example um, of like, setting this good, like healthier culture. Um, Like, what are your thoughts on that? I would say, Honestly, I felt like I'd be doing myself and everybody else on the team a disservice to not be that person just because I had been through it and I had seen it and I had seen how debilitating it was for me. And like it just because I I cared so deeply about all of my teammates, like it physically hurt me to see people going through this and like not because when you're when you're going through that, like you just can't even imagine any other way of doing things. And so I felt a responsibility to show people like there is another way of doing There things. is another way and it works. Like you were like yeah. proof that like it works. Like you don't need to succumb to all of these things, like all the pressure that's out there to eat and look a certain way. Like you really don't need to succumb to that for success. Yeah. And I think especially like which I know we're going to touch on next, but like, especially once I started like doing research on this stuff and just seeing like the data about the long-term effects of this stuff, like that too, to me was like a wake up call to like, I need to help these people that are around me. Like I want to make a difference. Like I, again, feel very blessed because I could have gone down a very, very different path based on just my tendencies and my mindset at the, early on in my career. And I like, feel like I was like saved from that somehow and so I want to make it now like my purpose and my responsibility to like help people avoid going down those paths you know yeah no yeah I guess we can just segue this into your 
thesis work because Susanna wrote her, well, I'll let you say, like, talk about your thesis and exactly what she wrote it on. Um, But she ended up doing so much research on this and putting together a thesis for her master's program. And it's, I mean, I want to, I want to be able to share your thesis with, with the people on the podcast, if they would want to read it, could we get access to it? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yay. Because I feel like everybody should read this. It's like the literal research behind all of this stuff. And so tell us about your experience, like researching for your thesis and what you found. Um, and also how it like led you to pursue your career now in this space, but mostly like how do you think that this, knowing some of these things, cause you did your, you did your thesis at the very end of your career. So like maybe like, what would you have changed knowing the things that you know now? Yeah. So again, my thesis was like that full circle moment for me where it was like, this is me paying it forward as I'm like closing my own career and and wrapping up this chapter of my life. This is how I'm going to make a difference like as I move forward. Um, So I made this survey. I ended up getting almost 300 responses on this survey. So it got around. (laughs) Um, And I, I surveyed, I wanted to keep it obviously to female distance running, because while a lot of these issues exist with males, I I wanted to focus on the female athlete triad um, with disordered eating, um, losing your period, and then osteoporosis. That was like what I really wanted to focus on. Um, Just to like, you know, a lot of these things go under the radar, like eating issues or like mindset issues, comparisons, all that. But I wanted to focus on the stuff that like, these are, there, there are long-term effects that we need to be cognizant of so um sent it out to and I focused on d1 um just because I think there's obviously competition intense competition at every level but I felt like the pressures of being at a d1 program kind of amplified some of these things so I I sent the survey out um and then my favorite part of the research actually was at the end of the survey I asked um people if they wanted to be interviewed um, to kind of talk a little bit more about their experiences. And I wasn't sure how that was going to go. And I was like overwhelmed by the amount of people that wanted to be interviewed. I had almost a hundred people, um, answer that they wanted to be interviewed. Obviously I couldn't interview them all, but, um, that response to me was just like, wow, this is meaningful work. Like people want to talk about this and people are like looking for a platform to, to share. So, um, the things that I looked at, I, I looked at social comparisons. I looked at people's athletic identity. So again, like how strongly they identified as an athlete and how much that contributed to their self-worth because that was something that I had struggled with. Um, I looked at um, like eating issue tendencies, like just um, how people viewed diet and how they acted on that. Um, and then I also looked at like more like scientific stuff like BMI and like when's the last time you got your period? And those responses were like insane to me um, because it was just very like alarming, honestly. Like the data with with that stuff was alarming. Um, And then also just looking at where this pressure is coming from, where the weight pressure is coming from. Is it coming from your coaches? Is it coming from your teammates? Is it coming from your family? Is it coming from yourself? Um, Is it coming from social media? So I looked a lot. And it's probably coming from all of those things. Right. I looked a lot at social media engagement. Um, If people were following and interacting with people on social media that they know in the running community, like people that they're running against, um, maybe in their conference, on other teams, maybe from high school, whatever it may be. And then also how much they're engaging with professional runners on social media too. And then something that hadn't really had any history of research was I looked at Strava because that's such a huge thing now. Strava is like yeah, and like you can and you can see what literally everybody else is doing for training. Right. And then it's so it's so dangerous cuz you're just like directly comparing to other people's training and everybody is going to train differently. Like there is no cookie cutter way to train, but when you're looking at your biggest competitor at how they train, you feel like you need to train like them. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think having those interviews um, and just hearing people's stories and hearing about how many stress fractures they had suffered from. I interviewed people who had already been diagnosed with osteoporosis at 
19, 20 years <gasps> old. Um, oh my God. Yeah. So, and you know, people who hadn't gotten their period in three years or whatever it was, just the story. And then people who had like had just terrible experiences with like weight management from their coaches or from their athletic staff. Like, yeah. um, so, you know, I was expecting to have like a full circle fulfilling experience doing this, but it exceeded my expectations and like made me want to stay in this space of just like something needs to change. Like it's not, you know, and I think things have been changing, like things have been going that way, but I wanted to be part of that. And I wanted to, just because I, again, feel so lucky that I was able to like make it out on the other side and still have success and still feel really good about my career that like, I feel like it was my, like, I, it feels like my duty to pay it forward. So um, that's why I ended up wanting to, to, you know, stay in sports and um, tell stories. And that's why I ended up at the NCAA and I'm working in an editorial job where I get to interview student athletes and I get to share stories and like, I get to do exactly like what I wanted to do to help pay it forward. So um, I just think like that whole experience was just so full circle for me and so fulfilling. And like, I'm just really, really grateful that I was able to, to do that. Yeah. Wow. That is, I, hearing you just like repeat all of that again, like that is just like the coolest fucking thing that you got to like do all of that and like gather all that like actual data. I don't know, but it's just crazy. Like I feel like the impact of social media and like you were saying like following like competitors, but also following like professionals because I struggled a lot with that. Like I had the expectation that I had to look and even train sometimes, like when professionals would share training, like I literally thought in college that I was supposed to look that way and train that way. And it's so, it's so not true. Like no. that is their job. They have been doing that for like 10 plus more years than you. Like it is not the expectation at the college level and especially not the high school level was, which is also when I was like looking at, at professional runners, but like, yeah. And also just like influence of coaches, influence of teams, like it's so sad, like, how toxic this culture really can get. So I highly, highly recommend everybody taking a look at Susanna's thesis. Um, I've read most of it, and it has, like, opened my eyes so much, and, like, I even have, like, delved a lot into this stuff. So, yeah, so exciting. Thank you so much for sharing everything about that. Um, but just to wrap up, I want to give you the space to share any any other last things that are on your mind or anything that you would like like to wrap this up and maybe like something you would tell your younger your a younger version of yourself or like the version of yourself that was still in college like what would you tell yourself to wrap this up Yeah, I think honestly like the biggest takeaway looking back at my career, I wouldn't change anything about my experience because I think I had to go through what I went through um, in order to, to have the success that I wanted to have. Not only that, but I also think I needed to go through it to find like what I wanted to do with my life because now I feel like I have like a career path that I like love and that I'm passionate about. So like I wouldn't change anything about my experience. I do feel bad for younger me for all the pain that she went through. But like I think just for anybody that's struggling with similar things and like for me, for so long, I viewed running as a burden and like an expectation and a pressure. And like, I think the real change for me came when I was able to realize that it's a privilege and something that I get to do, not something I have to do. And just having that be my mindset every time I got on the line for my last year, I was like, you know, a year from now, I don't get to do this. Today, I get to do this. And I get to do it with people that I care about. And I get to do it for a school that I care about. And like, you know, just viewing it as like an opportunity rather than than a burden um, is just really the biggest piece of advice that I would give to anybody and to younger me. And yeah, I guess that's that's really I, it. <laughs> I absolutely love that. It's kind of making me shed a tear because <laughs> it really is sad. Like there's nothing like the joy in the in the bonding that you get from running with people that you love. And it's just yeah. so sad. Like when I visited Susanna, like uh, two months ago at this point, probably in Indianapolis, got to see the NCAA headquarters where she works and everything. But like going on a run it to together again was like, 
just so nostalgic and so happy but also sad so it was so emotional I don't know so really don't take for granted running with the people that you love it's it's so special and like oh I miss it fuck I know but you can running the best thing about running is you can do it for life exactly we're still running together to this day and it's special but Anyways, thank you so, 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 so much for coming on the podcast and sharing some of the wisdom that I've had the privilege of learning from you over the years. And I'm so happy that other people get to hear some pieces of your story and all the amazing things that you have to share. Hopefully you can come on again. Um, Maybe we could get some reviews on this episode and what we could dive deeper into. But thank you. Thank you. It was so great being here.